Good morning. That's the service next Sunday. Isn't that going to be exciting? No, that is our summer camp, and we're excited about that. Now, some of you exceed the age limit, but you have children. I know, I heard of awe. You have children or grandchildren that could attend, and we're excited because we are hosting Camp in the City. It is a ministry of Pine Cove Camps, which is an amazing organization all over the United States that have camps and so we have the opportunity to, hope to host Camp in the City this summer, June the 22nd through the 26th, here at Hope Fellowship. It is a fun-filled week for your children, where they will connect with college students who will not just come to watch them during this time, but will invest in their lives. And also, there are water slides, there are climbing walls, there are bounce houses, there are all kinds of games, there's ministry, there's music, there is just more than I could really talk to you about in this moment, and we really encourage you to sign up your children. Today, starting today, registration begins at hopeandanderson.com backslash camps, or you can go into the Hope uh, Kids area, there is a there are camp in the city table there, and they can give you some more information about how to sign up. Sign up because the slots will fill up quickly. Also, there are scholarships available for families, and we encourage you to talk to people at the um, camp in the city table this morning at uh, in Hope Kids. But we are excited about this opportunity to start this as we will begin a journey with Pine Cove Camps and Camp in the City for future years as this is the beginning of every summer event for us at Hope Fellowship. And we encourage you to sign up and do that today for your children. It's going to be a great summer as we invest in their lives spiritually with Camp in the City. So I look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yes. Also, we're looking for volunteers and you can actually talk to the people at Camp in the City table about volunteering also. So that's this summer, June the 22nd through the 26th. So sign up your kids soon. So we want to say welcome this morning. And today, uh, my name is Mark Gaskew, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hope. But I am not I'm not preaching this morning, I'm not speaking, but I'm listening, and so today we have a great opportunity for Matthew Cogswell, who is our next generation pastor, to speak to us this morning, and at this point, let's give Matthew a big hand as he comes, yes? Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for that introduction. Uh, Wasn't that Camp in the City video pretty fun? Wasn't that fun? Parents are like, forget kids, I'm signing up. Let's go, woo right? Uh, I'm not sure you are able to do that. You have to talk with Pastor Moore, uh, Pastor Nathan to see if you can sign up for that. But uh, if you guys can go ahead and um, turn with your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 15. We'll be uh, looking at the passage uh, 15 through 18 this morning, kind of unpacking that uh, this morning. And uh, for those of you who are just... Uh, been here, this is your first time, you're just kind of checking things out, you haven't been here for a while, and this is a series that we've been in, the Gospel of John, it is a series that says that we, uh, that you may believe, it's a, it's a, uh, a study that, man, the purpose of the Gospel of John, he was writing it um, with a very clear uh, purpose in mind, he, he's writing this Jesus story so that his readers would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing that we may have a life in his name. That's his purpose. And so last week, Pastor Mark did a phenomenal job 
of uh, breaking down uh, chapter 13. Powerful message where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and, um, and he is having uh, this last meal uh, and it's what a lot of theologians would describe as the beginning of the end. Right, the beginning of the end. And, and then Jesus does the unthinkable. He steps away from the table. He puts a towel around his waist and he grabs a basin, fills it with water and begins to wash the dirty, stinky, nasty feet of his disciples. Right? It's craziness. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, taking a lowly position, the lowliest position of all the, of, to wash the feet of his disciples. Man, this was so taboo. It was unthinkable. And the bottom line from last week was that the love of Christ, uh, to love as he loves, means to lay aside oneself for the greater of another, right? And so at the end of John chapter 13, the beginning of 14, Jesus is, he's just making it clear. He's, he's about to leave. This is no longer some distant thing, uh, no distant, uh, event, but it is very real, very now. It's like within hours, he's about to be hung on a Roman cross. And so the disciples are freaking out, right? The disciples, are freaking out. Their hearts are troubled. They, it's really, really intense, and they do what all of us do in intense mo, uh, situations. They begin to say some rash stuff, right? And so Peter, Peter starts making some promises that he can't keep. He said, Jesus, you're going you're gonna to lay down your life? Uh, well, I'm going to lay down my life for you too, right? And Jesus is like, oh, really? Because uh, pretty soon here, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. And then Philip Philip's hearing Jesus say, I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to prepare a way for you. And Philip's like, wait, wait, way? What are you talking about, way? Uh, the, the Father, just show us the Father, and everything will be great. Just show us the Father, and it will be good. And Jesus says that iconic line, man, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. And then Jesus, as the loving, good shepherd that he is, he makes a promise. He makes a promise that, uh, that is an absolute game changer, right? He, 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 he promises that he wouldn't, uh, that promise that it wouldn't fully be understood, uh, till his death, burial, and resurrection. But man, he promises the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look in, uh, verse 15. He says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give another counselor to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Bottom line for this morning the Holy Spirit is the helper that lives in all God's people who love him. Amen. Now, let me just, before I unpack this, I'm going to address the elephant in the room, right? And this is that. that, that in this room, we have um, 
various people of various denominations and backgrounds, and uh, they, we've got uh, Pentecostals sitting next to uh, Baptists, and Baptists sitting next to Presbyterians, and Presbyterians sitting next to Catholics, and, and, and that is awesome. And we also, man, we have unbelievers here in this room who are just trying to figure things out. Maybe you didn't even grow up in church, and, and, and that's so beautiful. That's one of the, the, the exciting things I love about Hope Fellowship Church is that such a variety of people from all different backgrounds and traditions, and it's beautiful. But the reality is this, that when I mention the name the Holy Spirit, for some of you, right, it conjures up different emotions and thoughts and experiences, right? Right? Is that uh, for some of you, when you think of the Holy Spirit, you think of that weird uncle that comes to the, uh, you know, to the, to the uh, cookout or the family reunion, right? And, and he may have had a little too much to drink and you don't really know what's going to happen next, right? He's going to say something and you're like, oh, oh, you feel a bit uncomfortable, right? I mean, you've been to a service a church or whatever, and it's like, man, people are just jumping around and, and singing and things, all that stuff, and it's like, you just kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable. For some of you, when I say the Holy Spirit, man, uh, I mean, you just come up with a, a, de- a denomination, you grew up in a denomination where it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Father, God the Son, <laughs> right? There wasn't much teaching about the Holy Spirit, right? It was just kind of like, Put to the side. Am I speaking to anybody? Is there anybody? Okay. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe uh, you didn't grow up in church and this is all kind of new to you. Or maybe you have some wonderful experiences when you talk about the Holy Spirit. But wherever we are this morning, I have to say this, that without a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit, we cannot have a balanced view of the character and nature of God. We can't. We just cannot. And we cannot have a balanced view of the character and nature of God without taking into account all three persons of the Godhead found throughout Scripture, and which is on display here in this passage. Now, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, or the, uh, the doctrine of the, the Trinity, is that there's three distinct persons that make up the Godhead. They are uh, eternally co-eternal. They're, they're equal. They're, there's not one higher than the other. They're co-equal. They are God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Godhead three in one. Now, I'm not even going to pretend to say that that is an easy concept to understand, right? I, I'm not here to downplay the... the the reality, like there's, there's not even like enough vocabulary in, in, in the world to be able to describe how complex and amazing this is, this concept is. But let me tell you this, just because something is hard to understand doesn't make it any less true, right? And so we see then scripture, man, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit throughout it. And, and when we have an understanding, we have a, when we t- embrace that, we have a balanced view of the character and nature of God. But all too often in the church, and, and that's where it's like the, the third person of the, Holy, of, of the, of the Trinity, of the, the, the Holy Spirit is kind of put to the side, right? Kind of neglected, right? Kind of pushed, whether intentionally or unintentionally, the Holy Spirit is really talked about. And so just to make this clear for everyone here, 
Oh, snap. I'm going to need to volunteer this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm messing, I'm messing. <laughs> but just to make this clear for you and I this morning, without a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit, we cannot possibly have... Boy, that sucker is thick. Whew. I'm not going to lie, I was wondering how that was going to go down, all right? I was wondering before I was preparing for this. But, does that look balanced to you? <laughs> that don't look balanced. I ain't going to rest on that thing. That's not, that's not balanced to me. You see, I just want to make that clear, right? That if we neglect the Holy Spirit... Man, it's like we're, we're, we're theologically cutting off ourselves from an understanding of the character and nature of God and our relationship, a love relationship with him. It's how he created. So a love is for, the, for God, is, is a, a, it frames the entire chapter here in 14 and then it introduces the promise of the Holy Spirit. Point number one this morning as we dive in, love is more than a feeling, it is a choice to obey. Verse 15, Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commands. Obey my commands. Now, for some of us, this, this statement kind of makes us feel uncomfortable, right? For just being honest, for some of it, it just, how does that, understand, how does that relate to the Holy Spirit? And I just think that we have to um, be real with the culture that we live in, right? We just celebrated Valentine's Day, right? didn't we? We had a ton of messages and, 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 and um, ideas of what love is with the Valentine's Day. And, and for many of us, we kind of just think that, you know what? Love is like the, the Valentine's Hallmark card that we get, right? This lovely, gushy thing. It's like, right? And so we kind of grow up with this understanding. I love, I love my wife. I, 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 I love Jesus. I, I love uh, 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 ice cream. I love, <laughs> I love the dog. I love, I, just, love is just so kind of like, thrown out all over the place. And I think as a church, we can, we can talk a lot about how God loves us, and rightfully so. We need to know that God loves you and I. It first, first off starts with God's love, but maybe we also need to talk about how we are to love God, how he created us in their relationship with him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so when we read this, it sounds kind of harsh, but it, but as we consider the context of this passage here, and we think about who Jesus is speaking to, it begins to make more sense. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. These weren't random people. He was in deep relationship with them. They walked with him, talked with him. There's ministry, there's miracles, there's hard work, there's laughter, there was crying. And can I just say this right now, just get it clear. God gave us emotions. For a reason, they're, they're, they're supposed to be, they're good. It's how we experience life. It's how we, ex we can experience even being in relationship with him. But however, it's when our emotions run us, that's the problem. It is wonderful when our love for Jesus has sentiment and passion, but it must always be connected to keeping his commandments or it isn't love at all. 
Verse 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Who love, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will live with him and show myself to him. In this chapter alone, love is mentioned 10 times in obedience, about five times. And it's, it's all throughout and it sets the context for the heart of this passage. So what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, man, I, I, I know that your emotions are kind of rocky. I, I know that things are going kind of tough, but I just want to remind you and re- redirect you to the bigger picture here. That even though he was going, it was ultimately for their good because he was going to send another. You see, the big picture helps us stay focused and keep moving on the path when, when our, when, with God when our emotions seem to be overwhelming. Amen? Some of us need to be reminded of the big picture here and not to be so stuck in where you are emotionally because it's keeping you from walking a path with God. And this is the beautiful thing. Jesus knew that we couldn't possibly walk in loving obedience with him and to fulfill the work that he was calling to him, them to in this big picture, great commission thing without help. He, he knew we couldn't do it without help. It's, the bad news, he's leaving. Good news is point number two. Jesus never intended to leave us without hope and with help. Verse 16, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or counselor to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. This is a game changer. He was physically leaving his disciples, but when he goes, he commands them to keep and to put into action his teachings. And he said that he will send another advocate, a helper, the spirit of truth. This is so good. This is good news for us this morning. This is good news. Before I unpack this, I just got to, again, point out uh, for those who struggle with the concept of the Trinity, I don't believe it because it doesn't say explicitly in the Bible that there, there's no, it doesn't say Trinity. So I don't believe it. Really? It's very, it's so clearly on display here. And I mean, Jesus isn't suffering from schizophrenia, Right? It clearly says that God the Son, Jesus, prays to God the Father. God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. And so he's the helper. He's sending the helper. Helper translates the ancient Greek word used here, parakletos. This means a person summoned to one's aid and may refer to an advisor, a legal defender, a mediator, or a counselor. In other words, the Holy Spirit is sent to empower and help the believer to live the Christian life. Can we just be real here this morning too? Some of us struggle with receiving help. Don't look at me like you don't struggle with that sometimes. <laughs> don't pretend that you don't struggle. I just, I, I, do you need help? No, nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need no help, no. Or really, because you look at, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I don't need no help, I'm good, I'm good. Meanwhile, they're carrying like 15 bags and they're tripping over themselves and like, you're trying, you're trying to open up, can I, can I get the help? No, I'm good, I'm good, I got this good, I'm good, I got this. Meanwhile, the weight of the world is weighing down on their shoulders and in their heart. 
And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, 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 can I help you with that? Hey, can I help you? I stand here before you this morning unashamed to say, I need some help. I don't know about you, but this world is crazy. I need some help. I need some real help. I don't need it like in five minutes from now. I need it now. I need help now to be a good husband. I need help to be a good father. I need help to be a a good student. Just love people around me. I need help. Some of us, pride has gripped our hearts so much. I I don't need no help. I don't need no help. I got this. Really. Really. And, but don't get it twisted, though. On the flip side, on the flip side, man, actually, before I go there, let me just make this one point very clear. Don't, don't forget the notes. We cannot love God and love others and make disciples without helping, the helping power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot love God, love others, make disciples without help, the helping power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it. And again, let's not get it twisted though. The Holy Spirit is, is the helper, not the doer. Let me kind of explain this here. For, he, he come, the, the helper, he comes alongside us for the work, the ministry, and the glory of God. He's not a manipulator. We have a role in this, albeit very small, compared to the work of the Holy Spirit. But we have, we have a part to play in this. I like this quote from Ricky uh, Joyner. Rick Joyner, he says, The Holy Spirit is not the doer, but rather the helper. He will not do it without us, but if we engage, engage he will help us with what we need to make it happen. It's like my three-year-old daughter who, said, who went roller uh, blading. On Monday, my three-year-old daughter went rollerblading. The first, first time, she was rollerblading. But what really happened was I strapped the blades on her. I walked her out there, carried her out there, put her on the uh, driveway. She put her feet down. She's smiling, and I'm holding her and whipping her around, right, kind of guiding her along right here. So what was happening there is that, yeah, she, she said, I'm rollerblading. Daddy, I'm rollerblading. But the reality is that she was not going to be rollerblading for too long if I wasn't coming alongside her to help her. There was not going to be any rollerblading without daddy to come alongside. But you know what? I, I did, and I, was, I loved it so much, just spinning around in circles and all of that. And, and, and I'm going to I'll be real with you. She asked me, hey, daddy, can you go take me out roller, uh, rollerblading? Um, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, I got stuff to do. But I was like, okay, I, need, I, can't, I can't miss this moment. And so I'm, th- I'm thankful I did. She is so cute. But God, it, it, it's just a beautiful example. Now, here's the deal. I just want to make this clear too. Is God able to do whatever he wants, when he wants? Absolutely. He has the authority, the power. He's the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God of the universe. He can do whatever he wants. But yet he chooses in his infinite wisdom to use broken people like you and I to do his work. I don't get it. But I don't have to get it. He said it in his word. 
And it's true. There are so many incredible attributes of the person, the Holy Spirit, and how he works in our lives to sanctify us and, and, and to operate in the gifts that he's given us and the fruit of the Spirit. But I just want to take a quick minute to focus on how the Holy Spirit ministers both to our hearts um, as a good counselor and our minds as the Spirit of truth. How both areas are essential in our relationship with God and one another. And the Holy Spirit is, a, is like a good counselor. He ministers to our heart. The Bible talks a lot about the state of our hearts. There are hard hearts, there are tender hearts, there are deceitful hearts, there are pure hearts. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's usually referring to the ruling center of a person. It's when the spring of all desires come from. There are just some things that we can't understand here, but we understand here, right? Right? There's just some things that we just can't fully get, that, that, that right here, just can't put, quite put a, a, a finger on it, but, but in here, we know something's going on. Am I speaking to anybody? It's just it's something we just don't, we don't get, and here's the deal. There are deep things in our hearts this morning that I believe that God the Spirit wants to begin to do a work in. I believe that there's wounds that are so deep in, in some of us this morning that cannot be dealt with with a band-aid and a, and a, and a high five. Eh, that there's a, that there's a, a very real, um, presence, God's spirit in his children that's saying, I want to minister to your heart this morning. Like a loving counselor. Side note. Receiving counsel is not a bad thing. Having a counselor, that's not weakness. That's strength by saying, I need help. Get that clear, right? Some of us are just emotionally, just absolutely broken and distraught. I'm like, yeah, I got this, I'm good. Like, no, you need help. And that's a good thing. Got to admit our weaknesses. We got to admit that we need the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts, but he's also the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth points to the teaching, illuminating, reminding work of the spirit. John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. John 16, 13 is not on the board says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is evident in, in if you go back to John chapter 2, where um, Jesus is, um, if you remember, he's flipping tables, and he made a whip to drive out people that were making a mockery of the temple courts. If you guys remember that? That's, that, that's the Jesus, the Bible Jesus, Right? Uh, and, and so he's, 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 he's zealous for the, for the Lord, the, the Bible says. And, and, and so the Pharisees are irate. They say, well, how, how do you, like, what authority do you have to, to do this? And Jesus says what? He says, man, if you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. And they're like, what? 
this temple, this temple, it takes years for this thing. This is a beautiful, this, it takes years. This guy is crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. And the disciples are like, at the time, they're like, I don't know what he's talking about either. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? And then we see in verse 22 where the Bible says that, um, it says that after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture, and the words that Jesus had spoken. See, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to remind and shed light on the word of God to you and I this morning. I believe he wants to shed some light to our minds as well. I believe he wants to, he wants to show us what it looks like to put on the mind of Christ. Because, can I just say this, we're living in a world today that is being so absolutely overwhelmed with teachings and messages and, and arguments and philosophies that are so crafty that if you're not careful, you may be believing some whacked out stuff that's lead you on paths, man, that you don't want to go on. We need the spirit of truth to come and illuminate the word of God in our minds and in our hearts. This is not just something we want to, we want to just kind of dabble with. No, we want it to be rooted in the Word of God. We need, the, we need the Holy Spirit, the illuminating power of the Spirit to make that come alive in us. Bah, I'm going to do that on my own strength. I got that. I'm just, gonna, I'm just really smart, so I'm just going to make that happen. What? No. No. If we're not careful, we get swept away. By the craziness of this world. I just, reading some articles, they're so crafty. So crafty. I've been ministering to my big brother. And, I, and if you're watching this later on, I love you, Steve. But you've been reading some whacked out stuff, bro. I mean, it. But I, but I understand why it's, it's crappy because he, he talks, it breaks down the Hebrew and the, and the Greek and, you know, it talks about how hell isn't a, a real, literal place. And you know what happens is, we're like, yeah, that hell sounds kind of crazy. Yeah, so I don't even believe in that junk. Well, Jesus believed it. Oh, yeah, but, I, you know, I just, I was kind of just joking. I mean, I really don't really. We need the Holy Spirit of truth to wake us up. We're living in a world where there's a, a, a spirit of deceitfulness and falsehood that is sweeping our children away and adults away. Do not fall for the lies and the schemes of the enemy. The spirit of truth needs to wake us up. We need to be rooted in the Word of God. We need to be rooted in the Word of God. As Colossians 2.8 says, God, I feel so strong. Point number three, can't do that unless the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's what it is. The Holy Spirit lives in all God's people who love him. Verse 17, Jesus said, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This was a huge, this is huge for the disciples because up until this point in time, the disciples, like most people in that time, understood that the Holy Spirit was temporarily coming on people. It was not indwelling people. 
It was just temporarily um, uh, coming up special people for special tasks, prophets, kings, and all that, right? Let me just pause real quick for a minute. I think there's some people this morning that you believe, oh, the Holy Spirit is just for some special people. It's not for me. You've bought some lies that unless you speak in tongues, that you're not really baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then, then, you're, then you're not really a Christian. I've heard people say that. And it's lies. Well, unless you fall out in the middle of the aisle and start dancing around, then, then, you, then that's when you really have the Holy Spirit. No. That's not what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that. Now, I'm not just discrediting experiences. There's a very real, the reality, the power of the Spirit, how he moves and, and, and just, just supernaturally. But, but this is what the Word of God says in Ephesians 1.13. It says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you believed, the Holy Spirit is now in you. If you are a believer here this morning in Jesus Christ and you place your trust in him, his spirit lives within you. This is a radical concept for the disciples and, some of, and for some of us today or right now, it's a radical concept that the spirit lives within us. And if that's you this morning, let me just say it's all good. Like this is something that's really new. This is a safe place, okay? Nobody's, I'm not, nobody's you know, beating you up over here like, we, I just pray that we begin to understand the biblical, have a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying that um, when he talks about that the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, uh, then he says, but you know him because he lives with him. Uh, what Jesus is saying is that um, basically uh, they know the Holy Spirit because they knew Jesus. And Jesus was so filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in unison with the Spirit of God that he was basically saying that you know the Spirit because he lives with you. And the rest of the world can't accept it because the rest of the world didn't have that relationship with Jesus as the disciples did. And so some of us are getting upset this morning at, at unbelievers and in our jobs and our families because they just don't get it. And, and, and the reality is, man, they don't have the Spirit of God living within them. Things of, the, of, of God are kind of a foolishness to them. They can neither see the Spirit because they don't know the Spirit or have a relationship with the Spirit. But you know who they can see and you know that they can know is, is you. And me, the church, they can see us. What are they seeing? What's our lifestyles? How do we move? What do we do? What do we say? I'm speaking to the church here. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? 1 Corinthians 19, 619 whom you have received from God. Up until this point, it was only a select few of the Holy, uh, that, who the Holy Spirit rested on. But soon he was going to be available to all who called on the name of the Lord. When was this going to happen? It's going to happen at Pentecost. Let me just say, everything changed at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw that the, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What was happening? People from all nations that were there for that, for that festival, they were, they were hearing the gospel being preached in their own language. They were hearing things that they're, the, the, the disciples and the people that were in the upper room at the time, they're hearing their own language. And most people were amazed and in awe, but there were some that were like, nah, they're just drinking so much, too much. They're just drunk. And then Peter, the same Peter who denied knowing Jesus three times to a little servant girl, was now filled with the Holy Spirit, and he boldly steps up, and he begins to testify and says, Nah, dummy, they ain't talking about being drunk. He's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise of Joel chapter 2, where it says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. We have a helper, a spirit of truth that's available to all God's people who call upon the name of the Lord. It wasn't just for special people. John 15, 26 through 27 says, But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I, I just pray, church, that maybe we, uh, the Holy Spirit would be less known about speaking in tongues and be more about us going out and proclaiming the word of God. I, I pray that this church would be more known about uh, uh, loving uh, our enemies and blessing those who persecute us rather than whether or not we can fall out in the spirit. I, I pray that we would, as a church, we would be so uh, uh, begin to be awakened to the gift of the spirit and not push him aside and neglect him like the weird uncle or, or something you just don't understand and begin to walk and talk with the God spirit living within us, the third person of the Trinity. Because Jesus never left us without a living hope. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is not physically in this room, but I believe with my heart and mind that the Holy Spirit is present this morning. Would you receive his help? So, What does God want me to know? Man, he wants you to know that the Spirit is, in, is the helper in all God's people who love him. If we neglect or deny the spirit of God, we are essentially resisting the helper that Jesus gave us as a gift to help empower us to live this life he's called us to. He desires to counsel our hearts. He desires to be the teacher and guide us in all truth. He desires to embolden us to be his witnesses, to testify to the world that he loves. And what does God want me to do? He wants me to walk in step with his spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What does this mean we got to do? It means we need to slow down. We need to slow down. Some of us, children of God, have the Spirit within you. You have no concept of the Spirit of God living inside you because you've been at a, walking at a pace or running at a pace so fast. You can't even emotionally or spiritually recognize when he's speaking. 
we need to slow down, pause, and say, I need your help. Help me to walk in step with you. Lead me. I can't figure this out on my own. I need your help. How am I supposed to know when the Holy Spirit is leading? Let me just say this. The Spirit will never lead us contrary to the word of God. Never. Will God ever ask me to do something that I'm not able to do? Yes, he will. Yes. I like how Henry Blackaby puts it. The answer is yes all the time. It must be the... That way, for God's glory in the kingdom, if we function according to our own ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power and the help of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal Himself to a watching world. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, so you wrap up this morning. I believe the Lord wants to minister to some people's hearts this morning. I believe he wants to minister to, to minds this morning. I believe he wants to minister to our whole person. And I pray that the walls and the barriers that some people have this morning regarding the Holy Spirit would just come down. And they recognize that they have a very present, a very powerful being present that is that's available to all of God's people who love him. Will you receive him this morning? Will you recognize him? Or will you push his hand away? My prayer is that we would receive him this morning.